Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, I want to encourage you to grab your notes and uh, we're going to dive in. We're beginning a new series uh, this week that's going to take us all through the season of Lent uh, called On the Journey. Say that with me. On the Journey. Say it like you mean it. On the Journey. And so, okay. And so we are uh, going to travel all the way through the Lenten season together. And for those of you who may not be aware, let me just remind you, this past Wednesday commemorated, began, started the season of Lent And uh, for those of you, I always take a moment to explain this because um, I always think about this in our church. We have folks whose only experience of church is community of hope. And that's one of the great honors of our fellowship. And so probably to the degree that we've ever talked about it is to the degree that you have any knowledge or understanding of it whatsoever. There are others on the other end of the, of the pole who come from sort of a liturgical tradition. And so you're familiar with all of the Christian calendar and all of that. And many, probably most of us are somewhere in between that trying to figure that out. So here's what we always tell folks when we, when we click into some of these seasons, right? So the season of Lent is the 40 days, not including Sundays, prior to Easter. And uh, we think of it uh, this way. It is, it is a season marked by reflection, marked by a little bit of uh, a closer focus on the life and ministry of Jesus while he walked on the face of the earth. It is always accompanied sort of with... Um, Marks of confession. In fact, we begin the season of Lent. Some traditions will put the sign of the cross uh, on your forehead and ashes just as a, a way to remember, not to grovel in our sin, but really as a way to remember all that God has done for us in Christ. I think of it this way. Um, when I think of the season of Lent, uh, most uh, historians tell us that um, this, this season goes back as far as most of us uh, uh, can remember and as far as can be researched. And so the idea is that uh, we think of it this way, Easter, right? Think of Easter. It's the single biggest day of the year for Christ followers. Uh, when all the other religions of the world, all the other belief systems in our world are telling us, listen to me very carefully, what we have to do to earn God's favor, okay? Easter is a reminder of all that God has done for us in Christ. That was a great spot for an amen. amen. Right there, boom, amen. So our religion is not a religion of do, it's a religion of done. Say it like you mean it, done. Thank you. This is an interactive sermon today, Okay. And so most tradition, when we think about this, we go far, far back in the season of Lent. Here's, here's, here's kind of what the historians thought about it. Easter's so big, we have to prepare for it. Easter's so big, you got to prepare for it. I always say at Community of Hope every year, you can't really appropriately celebrate a resurrection until you acknowledge there's been a death. So this is what we do. This is the season of Lent. 
And so still yet today in our own traditions, right, we know what it is to have to prepare for big events. Have you ever gone through a graduation? Uh, if, you, you, if you've ever planned to move, if you've taken a new position in a career, if you ever get married, if you ever have kids, hey, and if you ever have grandkids... Right? I'm going to be a granddaddy. Actually, I'm going to be a granddiddy. Okay? And I think it's, I'm learning right now, it's a thing to learn. Uh, you get to decide what your grandkids are going to call you. This is a thing. And I thought, you know, really, they start talking and they go, Ugh, and then you become, Ugh. that's what happens. But you get these names. And, and so, um, you know, I'm, I'm known around here as P. Diddy. So I'm going to be granddiddy, and that's, Beth is still trying to figure that out. We have some friends that we're aware of that uh, she came home and she told her husband, she said, I've decided my name as a grandmother is going to be Mimi. And, and, and the husband, the granddad said, well, if you're going to be Mimi, what, what am I going to be? And she said, you could be Pee-Pee. I don't think that actually went over well, but that's kind of what, what they were working on. But still yet today, right, we, we know what it is to have to prepare. And so um, we're going to use the season of Lent to prepare. And here's what I think is going to happen because of it. I really think because we're going to do this, um, Easter is going to be all the more glorious and all the more powerful because we've sort of done We've sort of done the work in it. In fact, I was thinking about this. Um, Paul the Apostle, when he was reflecting one time about the, the, you know, just the enormity of what Jesus has done for us, he was writing in one of the letters uh, to the churches at Philippi, I think, and he wrote this. Read this out loud with me together. Ready? Go. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And so this is really an important thing, and I want you to notice what he says here. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. What, is, what does that mean, to know the power and to consider the power of his resurrection? We just sang it. That one day we're going to be, everybody who names the name of Christ is going to be with him on a newly created earth. So all your loved ones, right, that have died in Christ, we get to see them again. We get to be with them again. All of the old aches and pains of this body, right? Your alarm ever go off and you go, I told Beth, I said, I don't want anybody ever filming me when I first get out of bed right? And uh, your body's going to be recreated. No sin, no shame, no pain, no death, no sorrow. Hallelujah. Power of his resurrection. And then Paul said this, notice this, he said, participation in his sufferings. See, for Paul, here's what he's saying. It's not enough to just know about the resurrection. You have to be reminded of what he's resurrecting you from. What he's taking you out of. 
we live in a culture today that um, just, I'm going to talk about this a little bit today, just runs on to the next thing. We have all these great things happen in our lives and like, all right, what's next? What are we going to do? What are we going to do next? And we're always like that, right? And uh, sometimes what Paul is saying, we, we got to think about this in a more reflective way, becoming like him in his death. So somehow, somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. So somehow it's remembering the power, it's participating in the sufferings, allow me to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Uh, I share this story every now and again. Years ago, uh, I, I participated in what was called back then, Lord, a shadowy experience with a, an effective, godly pastor who was starting a new church. Now, he was starting a new church in Hawaii, and I went to Hawaii to, to learn about it. Everybody who gives me a hard time because, well, of course you went to Hawaii. I'm telling you, if he was in Timbuktu, I'd have gone there. And so, you know, I went over there, and while I was there, I'm a lover of history, and I knew that I was going to go out to the Wickham Air Base out there because I wanted to see this. I wanted to show you. I wanted to, I wanted to go where the Arizona is in Pearl Harbor. And uh, I went out there. You, you take a little boat. You get on. Here's the boat. This kind of boat we got on right here. And you get on this boat. And as you're going out there, they just, they don't say anything, uh, but they just play, they play the news of Pearl Harbor, that day that'll live in infamy. They just play that. And by the, by the time you get there, you can barely stand. And then you walk in here, and this is a memorial, and this is built literally over the Arizona. Can you see it? And uh, you, can, you can look out those windows, which I did, and you see oil still coming up. It's still leaking. And there's this moment where you come to the back of this memorial and the name of every soldier, man and woman, is emblazoned on a wall. And when I was there, one of the most humbling things, of course, was um, fellow soldiers who rode the boat with us and they came and we talked to them. Why are you here? And they would say, do you see the third column? If you go down 17 names, you see that name? Yeah, I'm alive because of him. So I come every February 10th. I come every March 13. I come every September 7. Because that guy. Same thing is true when I was in sixth grade, took my daughter to um, Washington and we walked down the Vietnam Wall. And if you're ever, ever privileged to do this, um, people just come along this wall and they look up a name. It's not uncommon to take a piece of paper out and just etch the name. Every February 11, every May 10, every December 14, I need to come and remember This is what Paul is saying. If we're going to grow in our faith, if our faith is going to be something that's going to be transformational in our lives, here's what I have to tell you. You and I have to figure out ways to recreate, keep that fresh over and over again. Remember the power of his resurrection, fellowship and participation in his sufferings. Somehow, somehow, 
to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Well, we're going to do something this season uh, of Lent that we've never done before, and I'm super pumped about it. We're going to spend the entire season of Lent in one passage of Scripture. And uh, when you've been here preaching as long as I have, I need to mix it up a little, and I want to keep it fresh, and I'm in charge, and I get to say what we're going to do. And we're going to, because I'm excited about taking a passage of Scripture, you're going to love this story, and we're going to slow the RPMs down, and we're going to dig in on it. Uh, It happens in Luke chapter 24. It is is what I call a post-resurrection story, but there's enough material in here that I think serves us well the entire season of Lent, and I'm... I'm very excited to see what God's going to do in our lives and in our church as a result of it. So uh, I want to read the whole story for you. It, it begins in chapter 24 of the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to read from 13 all the way down to 35. Let's stand together, and uh, we're going to hear God's word according to the writer Luke. He says this beginning in verse 13. So this is Jesus. We've just read a resurrection account. And so then it says this. So like it's almost like at another time, at another place in the city, says this. Now that same day, two of them uh, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. Well, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And, at the, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, being Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going far, further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And then when he was at the table uh, with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them. And then their eyes were open, they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Phew, gone. That's added, I added that. <laughs> they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon And then the two told what happened to them on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Let's, let's talk this through. Let's talk this through. We already know, I've said before, this is uh, Luke is writing. This is his gospel. He's the only Gentile writer. So I've shared this before. We think historically he was a physician. I've said that before. So Luke wrote in a way that uh, was, because I don't know, I'm not a physician. I don't play one on TV, but I know that there's a lot of details about being a physician. If you know a physician, you know a surgeon, they know stuff, okay? And as a result of this, um, Luke, uh, Luke's gospel provides extra, and this is extra, This story only happens in the gospel of Luke. So case in point, this is extra. And it's a fantastic story. It's so fantastic in a way, some scholars across the centuries have even gone on to suggest maybe it's not true. It's so fantastic. It's so perfect in a way. It's so compelling. Maybe it's not true. And I say bah humbug on that. And in fact, there's some interesting things that I would like to say about why I believe it is true. First of all, and most importantly, I think Luke himself describes himself as a chronicler. And if you go back to Luke chapter 1, I want to show it to you. This is Luke chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 4. So right at the very beginning of the gospel, there it is. Look at what he says. Many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Now watch what he says here. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus, he's writing to a friend. So that, look at this. So that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. This is him saying right at the beginning, I'm not making stuff up. I'm trying to chronicle exactly what took place. But some of us look at this story and it goes, too fantastic. Here's what I would like to say also. This bears resemblance to the other post-resurrection stories. There were 10, by the way. You want to add them up. And many of those have a similar thread. For example, let me, let me just tell you. For example, Mary thought Jesus at the tomb was a gardener. She misidentified she mis, uh, him. The disciples come along later there at the beach, and Jesus walks up. They didn't recognize him. They thought he was a fisherman. And so now we get to this story. He's walking on the road, and we're going to talk a moment or two. In a moment or two, it says he was prevented. They were prevented from recognizing him. But here's what I want to tell you. There's a lot of similarity in these other post-resurrection accounts. And then here's another thing I want to say. The story's actually not perfect. Those who study, if you go to criminal cases and criminal law, whenever you're, in, whenever you're uh, you know, we're, we're going to depose a witness or, whether, or, whether, or, or whenever we, we're going to uh, take somebody's account of what happened, here's what those who are studying that look for. If it's too perfect and too locked up, that doesn't prove the veracity, the truthfulness of it. It proves it's been concocted and made up. Think with me about this. The story identifies Cleopas. Who's the other person? Who knows? The story mentions when they sit down and they, they break bread together, it never mentions the juice. So there's enough going on here that, that I want to tell you 
I, I think it's, uh, obviously it's a true story. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm just going too far in this, but I think it's a super powerful. And when I look at it, and when I think about all of us uh, across the next year, uh, th- this next Lenten season, I think um, it reminds us of some things I, I think we need to remember. And, and here's what I'm praying. You will put all of the three things I'm going to tell you into focus over this season of Lent. And I'm telling you right now, write it down. Easter will be different for you if you'll do it. Okay? How many of you want a, a new injection of God's faithfulness in your life? I do. How many of you want to just live with even greater passion about who Jesus is? How many of you have loved ones you want to have come to faith in Christ? Come on. I think it could all start right here. And there's some reminders in the story. When I, when I read this story, first reminder, I think, is this reminder, which is this. We look for fast. Go with me here. Go right forward with me. Our computer was messing up this morning. That might be what's going on. Got it? We look for fast. Here's what I want to remind everybody. Jesus is in the slow. Um, says he came along and walked with them on the road. Now, I want to acknowledge, uh, in biblical times, they were a walking culture. I want to acknowledge that. So no, nothing mysterious there. Uh, they either walked everywhere they went, or they were led by an animal who walked everywhere the animal went. So I, I, I want to get that. But, but here's what I want to say, too. We don't live in a walk culture, do we? We live in a run culture. We live with the need for speed, right? Thought about this yesterday. Uh, my my uh, family was having a little get together for uh, Granddaddy's grandbaby <laughs> that's coming, and I told uh, I told my family I said I'll go get my mama. She wants to be a part of it. It's all she's talked about for two weeks. So I go get her. I go get her and Stuart. We're on the turnpike. We're coming. I was doing the speed limit. It was close, but I was doing the speed limit. <laughs> and we go over the bridge on the outside of Stuart uh, on the turnpike, and I get right over the bridge, and I heard this sound. And all of a sudden, my truck the, lit up, and, it, and, and the tire goes 40, 20, 17, 4. And I had to pull off. And I want to show you a picture. There I am, beside the turnpike. And uh, total flat tire. And uh, I want to show you, show, the, show them that next picture. There's my mama. You can barely see her in there. And I need to be honest with y'all. I was a little stressed <laughs> about this moment. And I, there was the, one of our, the lug nuts, I, it was jacked up. And I could not get the wrench on there. And I'm sweating, I'm dirty, I'm a mess. I put out a all-hail call for my, my buddies. And then, then out of the blue, here comes Kenny Steckley, here comes TJ Wernhardt, here comes George Rimel. Kaboom, the guys were there, they fixed it. But at one point, I went to my mom and I said, I said, are you okay, are you stressed? This is literally my mom. She goes, no, it's a beautiful day and we're together. And I wanted to, like, I repent in Jesus' name <laughs> right now. We, we are addicted to speed. I want to show you what, um, 
Japanese theolo- a Japanese theologian uh, writes around this. Len, can you show it? Look at this. God walks slowly because he's love. If he's not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. It's a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow. Yet it is Lord over all the other speeds since it's the speed of love. I want to say right at the beginning of the Lenten season, nothing transformational in your spiritual life will ever happen in a hurry. Nothing transformational in your spiritual life will ever happen in a hurry. Most of us would do well if we just slowed down. Can I make a confession? All of my worst moments as a human being happen when I'm going fast. My worst moments as a husband, as a father, hey, as a pastor. A couple years ago, it is a busy season in my life, but a couple years ago, I told Beth, I said, um, I began to notice a lot of you would say this to me. Hey, we'd love to get together with you, or hey, I have a question for you, or I'm wondering your thoughts about this. I don't want to bug you. You know what I'm going to say right now, right? I know you're busy. And uh, one day, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, uh, hey, Dale, you're busy. And I asked my wife, I said, "Um, am I, is that my demeanor? And my wife, who loves me but is not impressed with me, (laughs) said, you know, Dale, sometimes, sometimes it is. Okay. We look for fast, God's in the slow. Um, We look for big, he's in the small. Um, We want Damascus Road. This is the road to Emmaus. Get it? If you don't know what Damascus Road is, I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you. This this is what we want. Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any there that belonged to the way, that's Christianity, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul! Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city, and you'll be told there what you must do. That's what we all want. 
Lord, can you, can you make it clear? Can it just be a cloud? Can something blow up? Can my mother not say, it's a beautiful day and we're together? I got stuff to do. Sorry, Mom. This is the Damascus Road experience. We're on the road to Emmaus. Can I tell you where the road to Emmaus went? To an unknown town. We don't even know where it is. Went nowhere. That's one of the reasons people think it can't be true. Should have been Jericho. Should have been Galilee. Emmaus, he's making stuff up. No, he's not. Many of y'all know um, Haley had a friend at Asbury University. Come on now. Who called her and said, "Um, we're overwhelmed. Wednesday, February 8th, they come to chapel. I've preached in those chapels. I bring my best game. A lot of times the kids are like, You know, and uh, they got through with worship, and 18 students stayed. And other students left and went to class, and, and while they were in class, they felt a draw back to the chapel, Hughes Auditorium. And then suddenly, students everywhere are running to get in the auditorium. Something was going on. Something was going on. Something kind of like Damascus was going on. And so kids are running. Kids are there. Haley has some friends, and Brandon has some friends, and they called and said, we need help. So I went to my friend Jess, my friend Curtis, my friend Trevor, my son-in-law Brandon. He's my friend too, but it's Brandon. And we, we, we flew to Wilmore. This is what we saw. Most of our lives, you know, there's some big moments, right? We, we all characterize big moments. But um, can I just remind everybody, your life is going to be characterized both in the natural world and in the spiritual world. It will not be characterized by these, by these big moments, it's going to be characterized by the smaller moments. Uh, Jess and I had the privilege, I'll try to get through this and not ball. And, uh, we were over here all day on Monday, right, Jess? We, just, we, just, we were hosting the balcony on Monday. And so uh, Jess would let people in, and I'd be running up and down, and I'd go, we need four. There's four seats, two, seven, like, you know, and we were trying to fill these seats up. And and we were watching these people come in. They would come into the auditorium, and they would just get in there, and they would just, it's like they just wanted to feel it. Just wanted to feel it, which is kind of what we were doing. Just wanted to feel it. So I watched this one precious man come in. Please understand my heart when I say this. It, it just looked like life for him had not, let me just say it, didn't look like it had been easy. And this man got into the entranceway and he just oh, he stood there. He'd been out there since three in the morning, driven from God knows where. He's on the road to Emmaus. And he walks into a seat, y'all, and he uh, gets in the seat. 
And this is what he does. Don't show it yet, Lynn. He just goes. And he stood there for an hour and a half. He never put his hands down. I took his picture. I was so moved by this. About all the times that I've made it big, made it fast. This precious saint of God, I won't see again until heaven. Man, he just wanted to be in God's presence. I don't know what he was carrying. I don't know why he was trying to get there. I don't know anything about him. And then when he left, he shook my hand like I had any freaking thing to do with it. (laughs) Big's not bad. It's not. Small's not bad either. One other thing. Got one more in you? My sermon. We look for a destination. He's on the journey. We're always trying to get somewhere. Disciples trying to get somewhere. Cleopas and whoever was with him or her trying to get somewhere. Jesus was with them all along. Wonder if that's not true for you and me. He's here. He's present. He's with us. Jesus said, one day I'm going to leave physically for a while. I'm going to give a comforter. He's going to remind you I'm, I'm real. He's going to support you. The actual word for that is um, parakletos in the Greek. Which listen, listen to this. It means one who is called alongside. Isn't that beautiful? Right now, whatever your need is, right now, whatever your hurt, your pain, your brokenness, your addiction your problem that has presented itself in its life, the the light that is now showing on your thing, he's right there. He's right there. I wonder if Jesus prevented them from seeing who he was at first because you know what it would have been for them? Just like it is for us. Awesome, what's next? We got places to go. And Jesus just wanted them to stop. I like how Richard Foster says it, and I'll close with this. We're going to take it right to the hour. The discovery of God lies in the daily and the ordinary, not in the spectacular and the heroic. If we cannot find God in the routines of home and shop, we will likely not find God at all. So here's my, here's, here's my thought. Let's 
start there. Let's start there. In fact, every significant move of God starts there. Lord, um, you're right here. I think of that powerful moment when, who was it, the disciples in the book of Acts are walking through a town and they see the erection of a monument, the tomb, or the, the, the monument to the unknown God and was it Paul the apostle who reminded them, God is not far from any one of us. Now, Lord, here's what I would tell you, and you, you, you already know I'm going to pray it, right? Um, there are some of us, Lord, we, we need to know that. We need you. We're inviting you in. And I know, God, because you're good, you won't disappoint. Help us. Help us slow down. Help us honor the small and help us be reminded you're on the journey with us. This we pray in Jesus' name and everyone said, go in his mercy. Go in his mercy. We'll see you next weekend.